if someone's coming to you saying, it's all about ChatGPT, you can forget about everything else. I wanted to be able to highlight that that's actually not true. And if anything, there's, there's other arenas within AI uh, or just technology, I should say, that have more applicability within a business today. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the conference, but I'm the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss the next evolution of AI, autonomous transformation, how leaders should be thinking about AI strategy, and where should they be focusing their investments. Joining me today is Brian Evergreen, the founder and CEO of The Profitable Good Company and a senior fellow at the conference board. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here. So, Brian, tell me a little bit about the Profitable Good Company. Uh, it's a, I know it's a leadership advisory company um, and so forth, and you're working on AI, but our listeners probably want to hear more. So the reason I founded the Profitable Good Company when I left Microsoft is that I wanted to be able to partner with leaders that were hoping to harness the economic and societal potential of artificial intelligence um, and and bring to bear the, the experiences that I had had at Microsoft, Accenture, it's, and working with the many of the world's most valuable companies. And uh, the title is a little bit, um, you know, indicative of, of sort of maybe my values, which is that I, I love doing good in the world. And I believe that you can do a lot of good things profitably. And often leaders are asked to choose between profit and good, but often they, they need to be able to answer to their shareholders or to their the leaders within their organization for profit. And so uh, the sweet spot of profitable good is something that I've uh, been working on for a while now and that I, um, you know, I'm excited to partner with leaders to, to be able to go create. Now, you, you have an interesting background because you came from studying music theory and composition and, uh, you know, you had s- several stints in places like Amazon and Microsoft, as you've mentioned, but then you ended up being an expert in AI. How do you make a transition from music to AI? Uh, that's a good question. So I would say that my music, in a way, it, it makes sense in retrospect, which is that in music is a systems discipline, uh, first and foremost. And it's especially with what I study, which is music theory and composition, is a very technical it's combining the creativity with um, the technical discipline of composition. and But for the end goal of doing something in, in music, especially of expressing and doing, creating something beautiful. And I would say that if you translate that into an AI context, there's obviously a lot of systems thinking required to be able to even choose which initiative is the right one for AI. But then there's you need creativity. And then also the AI is a very technical discipline. So um, in terms of how I made that transition, uh, a lot of it was actually luck and, you know, and being very persistent. And to every time that, you know, that the quotation about preparation, preparation, meeting opportunity. And, and that's sort of what where I, I think that I just followed that path over and over again until I got to where I was. Now, you're also the author of a book called Autonomous Transformation, Creating a More Human Future in the Era of Artificial Intelligence. Tell us a little bit more about AI and your work there and why you wrote the book. So the the work that I've been doing in AI, I was work, I've been working on AI since before it was, well, not before it was called AI ever, but before everything in the market had been rebranded AI. So I was working on it when it was just advanced analytics. And, um, and I would say that it started as 
just building out solutions for clients at Accenture and then for, through a couple of boutique firms. And then one of at those boutique firms, my clients were a couple of my biggest clients were Microsoft and AWS. And um, one of my former clients at Microsoft moved to a new position and said, hey, do you want to lead US AI strategy for Microsoft? And that would mean flying out to Fortune 500 C-level executives and helping them set their AI 2030 agendas. And I'd been in the sort of in the weeds as a practitioner and a leader of a, of a practices. And um, I thought that's a great opportunity to, to be able to elevate those discussions and sort of bring my superpower of strategy from my background as a chess player into bear in this in this discussion. So that's sort of how I sort of got into some of the leadership positions within AI that I've held. And then in regards to the book, at that time in, in 2019, I said, okay, we've been on this journey for eight years now uh, from digital, from analog to digital, but digital doesn't imply any level of intelligence. It just means now it's digital, right? And so I felt like the next phase beyond digital was autonomous when machines can make decisions autonomously without needing human input. And so that's why I, I, for a while now, I've been talking about moving beyond digital transformation to autonomous transformation. And that's sort of one of the core principles, obviously, in the book, especially in the title, right? Well, well, you know, there's some interesting points that you made there. One is that AI is really a branding, a rebranding of what was happening already. You know, there's a lot of people who think AI just descended upon us and, you know, and ChatGPT is the latest, you know, is is it. And, but it's not, it, it's been computer programming, machine learning. It's, just, it's been, you know, essentially evolving over a long period of time and most recently been been rebranded. I, I really love the way that, that you articulated that. And then, you know, autonomous transformation is just another articulation of the use of AI and, and these other digital tools, right? And and so that's, mm-hmm. so your point in this is, how how do you get to and it's really not only transformation but it's innovation and and you know growth in the business so how do you use these tools in order to drive your business essentially am, am i am i summarizing that accurately absolutely i would say i i think that there's a lot of harm that's been done in terms of the amount of hype that's been paired with some of these things and um and it's led to what i call a digital fog where there's there's a confusion about who to trust what's real and um and i think that there, there are those who economically benefit from that fog and from saying, you know, reaching out in that fog and saying, I can pull you through this fog and you can just rely on me and also, you know, sign this very, very good sized, you know, statement of work for that. Right. Um, and so, but I, yeah, I think that the digital transformation has become, you know, it, the, the phrase has become, it's grown to the degree that it means anything that plugs into an outlet and uh, is, is often termed di- some form of digital transformation. Um, and so I think that we have, you know, th- there's there's also a lot of initiatives where we're going from analog to digital, but we're not actually transforming anything. Like you mentioned, it's not just about transformation. Um, and so for those, I actually went back to the roots of the words and I looked at, I started with a definition and looked for a word, which was the definition being, you're significantly improving something, but you're not transforming it. Or changing the nature of it, and so what? What would the the word for that be? And and it's reformation. And so I actually in the book write about how you have digital reformation, which I think m- many many initiatives that are currently called digital transformation are digital reformation. Then digital transformation, autonomous reformation is moving from digital or analog to autonomous, but reforming it and not transforming it. And then autonomous transformation. I think we still haven't had our sort of iPhone moment on the stage of here's. 
here's this autonomous transformation use case that, or, or example that everyone can point to. Uh, but I know there are organizations working in that direction. And then lastly, transforming and reforming, assume we're starting with something that we're transforming or reforming. There's also acts of creation where based on the value that we're trying to create in the market, we can't necessarily start with what we have and transform or reform it. We need to create something new. It's really interesting. Just I don't think of myself as being very old, although my children would probably disagree. But, you know, I learned how to use a slide rule uh, in high school, used calculator uh, late in high school and, and early in my career, you know, spreadsheets were were paper. Along came a computer, started using computers. It, and then, you know, we we started taking work and figuring out, okay, what do you do with these computers? I remember when the when the boxes landed, the first PCs landed in our offices, we all kind of looked at them and said, well, gee, isn't that pretty? What the hell do you do with it? And so the whole point was, you know, that there needs to be then be software. You have to train people how to do this. And, you know, it has evolved from there. And so people kind of forget that this is just, you know, one more step in the evolution where, you know, it's not that computers get smarter and smarter. You know, the, the latest um, Mission Impossible um, film has AI taking over the world and, you know, understanding and being inside your brain and all this kind of stuff, which is which is great for science fiction. But, we're, you know, that we're not to sentience yet. I mean, this this the, what we're doing and, and, and who knows, we may never we won't may not be there ever or at least not in our lifetimes. The point is that it's evolution of these tools and how you use them in business. And so you don't get caught up in the A.I., you know, whatever the latest greatest definition right. is. And everybody's got it. You know, it's got this kind of A.I., this kind of A.I., it's basically using computers and 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 you know the software on them in order to drive analytics and decision making and inform you know how you can run your business better take care of your customers and so, and so forth and so i really like the way that you have kind of simplified it to back to basics Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And it reminds me of something that um, I didn't actually write about as uh, per se in the book, but I've written about since then, which is that um, if you think about AI, because in response, I think, to a lot of the, the noise in the market right now, if you think about machine learning and the concept of, of t teaching machines, if you, if you abstract it away from all the technical details and say, okay, ultimately what we're trying to do with getting you know whether it be starting with data we're trying to we're trying to get machines to be able to make decisions we're trying to recreate some semblance of our expertise as humans so that we can offload that decision or or offload that analysis that informs our decision to a machine and so if you break it down i think that um if you break it down to the way that we as humans learn, we start with acquiring language around something. And then like if you think about with children, we say, okay, this is the sun and this is this is a ball and this is right. And we, we explain language for everything. And then over time, then that can become knowledge. Like that ball in the sky is the sun and that we're on the earth. And then, you know, when you feel, and then that can become, we move beyond knowledge to understanding of when you're in the sun, you, and I know this intimately, I have a four-year-old, when you're in the sun, you can get hot. And if you jump in a body of water, you can cool back down and we're starting to learn understanding. And if you translate that to the way that we think about as, as leaders in, in terms of machine learning and, and, um, you know, trying to recreate expertise in machines, language is the very first step right? Just like it is with humans. So the fact that we've gotten really sophisticated with language lately, that doesn't mean that we've gotten to the point where machines have all this knowledge, let alone understanding. And so we need to go along that same journey arc. And um, and so for, for leaders, if we think about 
as humanity, we start with any new topic area. We do the same thing, even as grownups and experts, we say, what are the, you know, what's the language we want to create around this? And then we seek knowledge and we do testing. Then we do, uh, then we eventually, hopefully get to a point of understanding. Once we have understanding, we can build expertise and then operationalize that expertise. And once we've operationalized expertise, then we start to get enough data that a machine can learn, you know, can learn from that data to recreate that semblance of expertise, which frees us as humans to go to the next area of exploration. You know, if as I listen to you describe all of this, basically what you're saying is let's automate as much as possible to, you know, to shorten the, the amount of time it takes to, to make decisions. And it reminds me of whatever it was 50 years ago. If you had a question about something, you had to go find the right library. You had to make a trip. You had to go in spend several days, right. you know, digging through all these books in order to try to find what you were looking for. It was shorter if you had a great librarian to help you. Now you just pick up your phone and you plug it into your search engine and you have an answer in milliseconds. So this, I mean, that's an example of, you know, how we move just you know, just within my lifetime, I, I keep saying right. that because it's such a small, short period of time. And so what you're talking about is the continuation of that evolution is simply, right? I think so. And the one caveat I'd add to that is that I think that there are organizations who will automate anything and everything possible. And they'll learn by feedback from the market that there are certain points, touch points of human experience that are critical. So I think customer support is one area that we've already seen this arc where people went, tried to go full IVR or tried to go to full you know, chat bot and they learned, okay, my customers are leaving for a competitor who when they call is, is you know, within seconds is reaching at an actual human who can talk to them. And so I think, I think that industries and sectors and organizations will sort of feel out and learn this is an area where the human experience of connecting with another human around our brand or around our product or service is critical and we cannot by any means, uh, what we can do instead is equip that human with lots of tools to be able to find the answer faster or be able to better support that, you know, that client or customer. But I think that, you know, that those who go full automation for everything possible will uh, end up, end up needing to do a recoil back to that, you know, preserving those critical human experiences. We're talking with Brian Evergreen about implementation of AI and autonomous transformation. We're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you ready to transform your business and stay ahead of the competition? Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping the global economy, optimizing manufacturing processes, and transforming how users interact with popular platforms. Harnessing the power of AI can exponentially enhance your business's effectiveness and efficiency. However, navigating the risks associated with this transformative technology is critical. Privacy, integrity, the economy, and humanity are all at stake. That's why the Conference Board is your go-to resource for the expertise and foresight you need to leverage AI to its fullest potential and make strategic moves that propel your business forward. Unlock the possibilities AI offers your business. Visit tcb.org AI today to access trusted insights for what's ahead and guidance on navigating the AI transformation. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Brian Evergreen, an expert in AI and autonomous transformation. So Brian, recently you wrote an article that said, ChatGPT is not your AI strategy. Why did you write that article? What were you trying to say to, to CEOs? I wrote that article because I was seeing 
I was I felt protective of the types of leaders that I've worked with who were being sold uh, maybe some form of snake oil. And I felt like I wanted to sort of cut through the noise and say, hey, if someone's coming to you saying it's all about chat GPT, you can forget about everything else. I wanted to be able to highlight that that's actually not true. And if anything, there's, there's other arenas within AI uh, or just technology, I should say, that have more applicability within a business today. And also now that all this focus and attention is on these large language models, you know, there's a there's freedom, there's more opportunity, there's talent that hasn't been tapped right now, where there, there's a lack of focus that organizational leaders who who can find those other areas that are critical to that could be critical to their business where they can invest will have, be able to have a leg up in those investment arenas because of the fact that all the attention and energy and focus is currently pointed towards large large language models. That's why well, you I, really know, I, I really I'm really glad that you 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 did this. And I think I think for all senior business executives, you're probably hearing, oh, chat GPT, chat GPT, and you're and you're and because I was and I was going, oh man, I'm way behind. I can hardly spell chat GPT until I downloaded it. And I downloaded it on my computer, I downloaded it on my phone, and then I started using it. And it's really just sort of a glorified search engine. So I think I, you know, it it's a step above. It's it comes at it from a more useful language. And there are things you can do with it. You can plug it in and ask it to write speeches and do, you know, generate it, it's generative AI, meaning that it can generate some content. But it all it uses, it just scrubs what's out there and it and it just uses right. what's out there. So I, I think what what I think we have to continue to do is demystify all of this. Cause I think that, you know, that, that techies just love to rebrand things, call it this, call it that look out. AI is going to take over your world and people are going, Oh man, I'm so far behind. What am I? But it's really, it's, you've got to simplify it and really boil it down to, you know, what this actually is. That's right. I mean, even if you think about before the techies were doing this, as you, as you call them, <laughs> um, I, if you think about, you know, 50 years ago, you know, the hot new thing coming out of GE or the hot new thing coming out of wherever, and, um, you know, the new product with the late night, um, you know, TV infomercials, and you've got to buy it right now, right? I mean, we've gotten to a point now where we, we see that we immediately know, um, what that is. And I think that with tech, it's a little bit different because of the way that, um, you know, you can get your hands on something and people do get really excited. And, um, and there are, there are valuable applications. Um, and, and you can see, you get a taste of the potential and you think, oh my goodness, uh, what if we could truly harness this whole potential, you know, the potential of these technologies. But I agree with you completely. I think that what, in terms of, you know, the article that, that you mentioned, ChatGPT is not your AI strategy. I look at it like a, a piece on the chessboard. It's like if we were playing chess and, you know, and I, I have a background as an internationally competitive chess player. And um, there's a rule in chess tournaments um, that you, you if you pick up a piece, you have to move it. It's called touch move. And, um, and so if you pick up a knight and, you know, without thinking, you just grab a piece and pick it up and you look around for where you're going to put it. It might be that because you did that, now you're going to lose because the next move they can get checkmate that you could have protected against if you hadn't picked up that knight. I think it's the same thing with ChatGPT is we shouldn't just pick up the piece and look for where we're going to put it on the board. You should, we should start with what's the vision that we have for the future of our organization and our market and our sector and, and the value that we want to create. And then work backwards from that vision to say, okay, what strategies do we need to put in place? And then backwards from the strategy to planning and then tactics. And then at the very end, we, we can determine which pieces enable the rest of that, as opposed to picking up a piece and looking for you know where we're going to put it.
Yeah, and I, I think you know it it's uh, it's important, uh, especially for senior executives to to get to have this demystified and to you know to work to say where you know where do we want to invest? So how would you advise senior executives and boards of directors to approach this? Let's just say I know nothing about AI. I, you know, I've just learned how to spell AI, and it's it's really scary. And but I know that my company is supposed to be doing it because if I don't do it, I'm way, I'm behind competitively. How do, how do you get started? What do you do? What I would say is the first step is is to, in some ways, ignore the ignore the hype as much as you can, and to start with the question of forgetting any and all technology, imagining with your organization and the sector that you're in, what is the future of the, our sector? What is the next stage of value creation that we would like to create? And I, that's the first thing I would do is start with setting a vision and sure, having technologists in the room that can help help do that art of the possible exercise as long as they're not trying to sell you something. So maybe an external advisor that's that's objective or um, internal advisors that um, you know are just trying to, again, you could say this isn't about, this is just about setting the future vision for where we're headed or where we would, might want to be headed. And then I would say work backwards from that to determine Okay, which are the piece of what's available today? What is it that we could invest in that would accelerate that vision that we've set for the future? And um, and how do we create the right cohesive strategy to do that? And I would say, at the same time, something about Microsoft's um, culture, Microsoft's transformation that people I think have begun to hear, especially those who visit Microsoft's Executive Briefing Center in Redmond, but also um, I think you know it's it's also making its way into the media, but. There's this critical moment in 2014 when obviously when Satya came into the office and FCEO and he said, he said to one of his, and I wrote about this in the book, I, I had the opportunity to interview one of his top um, leaders from that for that transformation who said, Satya called me in the office and said, okay, we need a new business strategy, we need a new technology strategy, and we need a new people strategy. So at the same time, these, these three are interdependent, right? And at the same time that he set the new business and technology strategy, they also immediately set a new culture or people strategy. And I think that a lot of times we focus in on the business strategy, we focus on the technical strategy, or we say, oh, we have a people problem, but gosh, what are we going to do about that? That's, you know, not there's, we can't put, the, of course, we can't necessarily put the same layer of strategy on there that we can for our, our financial plan. But I would argue that that's, that's not true. And Microsoft's a great example of that. So that's the first thing I'd say is just to start with those three, but anchored on the vision of the future of the, of the sector and of your, of the market that you serve and your clients, not necessarily reacting to something they're asking for because clients only want to resolve current pain points. They're not necessarily setting vision for the future of, of something like no, no one was begging for the iPhone when, when Steve Jobs got up and, and announced that. No, he and and he says he's been he was famous for saying marketing research doesn't work because they can't conceive of the the things that I'm inventing for them, and and there is some some truth to that. It's not that it's not that you shouldn't have some consumer feedback along the way and input, but but I I think your point is don't set out to have and say what's my AI strategy. You say what's my strategy? Yes, and then what are the tools that can can help you know accelerate and advance that strategy including you know xyz and ai it, right. is that a is that a fair summary yes. absolutely for instance um you know underwriter laboratories I, I worked for them for a little while um and i assume you're familiar there they're you know anything that plugs in the us basically has to go through testing and certification from them to um to be allowed to be sold in in stores 
um, to make sure that it, you know, when you plug it into an outlet, it doesn't explode or light on fire. And um, an example with them is sure they could start with what are the things we're going to do with AI and and um, you know look for opportunities to to do that. But digital twins is actually one of the because of the fact that organizations all over the world have to submit files and representations of their products to UL and physical products to be tested. But if they were able to submit a, a first principles, like a physics-based digital twin of their products first, or even throughout the development cycle to UL, to be able to quickly, without even necessarily needing human eyes, be able to run testing on, that then at the final phase of actual physical testing, it can be greatly accelerated, it can shorten the time to market for their, their customers or their clients, and that's an example where you could say, oh, if we started with AI, you wouldn't end up there. You start with your core competency and the value that you create and how could you how could you better create that value with, with all that's out there and, and all the potential and capabilities that are being developed. Um, you can you can get you you can shortcut um, to that value and it may have nothing to do with AI. Well, it, and so th therefore, if, if you go back to my metaphor of of when we started using personal computers, you know, back in the mid 80s, when these beige boxes showed up on our desk, rather than saying, what's your computer strategy? You say, what's your strategy? And how can how can we deploy Microsoft Office to speed things up, make things more efficient, mm -hmm. help our customers and that sort of thing? It, it's a it, it's not a perfect metaphor, but, you know, but it's it's kind of the same thing. So rather than make AI this mystery, let's just think of it as software tools and right. not unlike where we were. And it's, you know, how do you, it's like another upgrade. What can we, you know, once you have your strategy, what can you do with these tools to advance and accelerate the strategy? That's right. And I'd say instead of using, I think a lot of times we look at these technologies and we say, what problem can I solve? So that we look around within our organizations and say, okay, let's create a big list of all of our problems. And then we'll see if there's any of these that AI or that these technologies can, can eliminate. And at best, at worst, that means, you know, we, we don't end up finding necessarily a lot of value to create. At best, that ends up, you know, with trimming our existing value proposition. But like I mentioned before, that's not going to get you on stage and having your own version of an iPhone moment for your, your company. Um, so instead saying like that, instead of saying, what problem can I solve? Looking out into the future and saying, okay, and I, I, I call it future solving, but it's, it's a framework that I, I wasn't the first to come up with. I've just, you know, given it a new name and try to recontextualize it, but looking out and saying, what is that future that I want to create for the market? And I think that by starting with that question, instead of starting what problems do I want to solve, um, it can become clear which which technologies or which, I mean, I think some organizations might find that they need a little bit of analog transformation in some of the work that they're doing, where they, they went digital in an area and they realized, wow, our customers, we're losing customers. So we need to peel that back. Well, and, and it's just like when, you know, the companies came out with CRM solutions, um, cu customer management solutions, where you plug this stuff in, but it didn't match your workflows. So you didn't end up using, you know, the tools adequately. But you, you have to think about the tools in conjunction with your workflows and your work processes and and, mm -hmm. and sync them up. So you have to think holistically about you know how you implement this stuff, and and that's why you said that I think you've you've written that only thirteen percent of AI initiatives so far have actually been successful, and I think part of it is because they say, well, let's let's do AI rather than saying, all right, yes. what 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 tools are out there, and and don't call it AI. What software tools? What what automation tools are are out there to help us achieve our strategy? I think that's the whole point of of what you're trying to communicate. That's exactly right. And I'd say that um, an example of that, too, is is um, 
is is in the agricultural space where they basically have invested heavily in developing these tools that are you know that can predict from satellite imagery or from drone imagery they can say okay it looks like this crop is suffering from this disease and this is what you need to do or um and they've, they've invested heavily then they go out to the farmers and the farmers want nothing to do with it there, there's no interest right there's that it's true and it and, doesn't well it doesn't plow the field and at the end of the day they've got to get the crops in that's well that's part of it and i think another part is just the cultural history for that farmer you know most farmers today in, in at least in the u.s and I'm guessing broad, more broadly, but my my familiarity in this space is more in the U.S. They they it's a generational right. They they've lived on the farm. This is their land that their people have been been caring for 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 generations. So the idea that some new person that doesn't know anything about you know their their family or about their history or about you know why why would they be listening to them? Right. You can't get a machine to recreate this expertise that I have. Right. Um, um, this is like it's tied to their identity even. And so I think that's another piece of it is to your point about AI it's in, in these technologies is that people want to push it in any direction they can. And even when they're able to get something that's significant in terms of the the value that it could create, if, if you haven't accounted for the social aspect of how the people that are working with that information or with those machines or, or whatever it might be on the factory floor or on the front lines of a retail company, you know, those people, if you're not thinking through and accounting for their experience, um, then even if you have a great implementation that the technology is sound and it's ready to go, it's still going to fail. Great, great advice. Brian, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading subjects in geopolitics, economics, public policy, human capital, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with every chatbot you run into. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.